Hello and welcome to the Dad Whisper. I'm your host, Dr. Michelle Watson, and I'm so happy that you're joining me here today, especially if you're a dad who wants more tools for your fathering toolbox. And as you know, my passion is to help dads become heroes, and it is with that foundation that I love meeting you here week after week to bring you relevant topics that support that goal. Which leads me to my three-word template that I use every single week to guide our conversation. On your mark, get set, go. Dads, I want you to picture yourselves standing side by side each other, getting ready to run your fathering race this week. And I'm on the sidelines as your coach cheering you on and saying, on your mark, get set, go. On your mark is the topic or the theme. Get set as I'll fill that in with stories and stats. And go is always your practical action step so that you can put your love for your daughter and your son into action this week. Well, today I have a guest joining me who is going to give you fathers some insight into what it's like to be a daughter whose dad has invited her into big adventures right alongside him. In fact, when you hear her story, you may actually not believe that a dad would actually encourage his daughter to join him in all the -the out-of-the-box, risk-taking experiences that have shaped her to be the woman she is today. My dear friend, Emily Hibbard, is here all the way from L.A., and once you hear her bio and all that she's accomplished by her late 30s here, you will understand why she has inspired me big time. And typically, I don't give you the title of the show before we get into the content, but I'm going to do that now before the bio so that you can track with this crazy cool concept all the way through. Here's the title, the On Your Mark point for today. Unconventional Fathering, How One Dad Inspired His Daughter to Follow Him to the Ends of the Earth. So keep that theme in mind as you hear Emily's bio because her dad has had so much to do with shaping her into being a woman who thinks big, who dreams big, and does bigger things that have matched her God-given personality and wiring. Okay, now I'll tell you a little bit about Emily. The first thing I want to say is that she and I have kindred spirits when it comes to being women who are invested in being champions of fathers. And the way that I found that out is that she wrote and produced a documentary called The Honor Project. So you know that I lead The ABBA Project. She's done this amazing project called The Honor Project. I encourage you to go to honorprojectmovie.com to watch it and share it with your friends. It's incredible. Emily is also the author and creator of Starting Your Own Nonprofit book series, which is a step-by-step guide for launching nonprofit organizations. She's held public office twice, and when she was only 26, she was a commissioner with the Cable Television Commission in Orange County, California. She's recently served as the youngest board member to sit on the Studio City Neighborhood Council in Los Angeles County. And before her 30th birthday, she traveled to all seven continents. Are you kidding me? She's climbed Tanzania's Mount Kilimanjaro. She's kayaked in Antarctica and the Arctic Ocean. Yes, you'll hear about that a little bit later. She's explored Egypt's Valley of the Kings, climbed Petra's ancient caves. She's floated on Lake Titicaca, boated down Vietnam's Making Delta, walked Israel's Via Dolorosa, and kissed Ireland's Blarney Stone. Oh my goodness. Okay, I'm not done. 
In 2012, Emily also founded Idol Tuesday's recording studio, and she is a member of the Recording Academy in Los Angeles, which is the organization that hosts the Grammys. Okay, did you get all that? You can see why I invited her here today to talk with you dads about what it looks like to inspire your daughters to go for it when it comes to supporting them in reaching their goals and following you to the ends of the earth, literally and figuratively. Welcome, Emily Himmert. Oh my gosh, thank you so much. Is anyone else exhausted from hearing all that? (laughs) I'm like, we took a bunch of our time to talk about that, but I wanted to do that, not only to just celebrate you, but we're going to talk about the backstory to a lot of what you've done. Absolutely, because the backstory really boils down to my father. There you go. The backstory is the story. Yeah. Well, On Your Mark, as I said earlier, is unconventional fathering, how one dad inspired his daughter to follow him to the ends of the earth. Okay, so Emily now forgets that. I, I really hardly know where to even start in asking you to tell your backstory to set the groundwork for this topic today. But how about if you tell us just a little bit about your family? Yeah, I'd love to. Um, I'm definitely the result of generations. I think back to my grandfather, my dad's dad, both named George. Uh, he grew up in Dancy, Wisconsin, and grew up during the Great Depression in abject poverty. Um, and he said that his local high school was too far away, so he only made it through the eighth grade, hmm. which meant that around the time that he was 13, 14 years old, he started riding the rails, as he called it, looking for work as a farmhand. And growing up poor, it was interesting because it never really bothered him. When he would tell huh. us stories about being so poor, he didn't take it personal. His environment, his situation never really impacted who he was. That was his environment, but he didn't really take it so personal. So he thought he, it was cool. It oh, wasn't he, positive oh, or negative. It, it was just... A fact. Oh, he thought it was so cool. So he's riding the rails and he would sleep in these these things called hobo camps. And I'm like, Grandpa, what's a hobo camp? And as he's describing it to me, I was like, Grandpa, you were homeless. To which he just laughs and says, well, I had a lot of time to read. So <laughs> he never considered himself, you know, homeless. But he'd, you know, he'd sneak on the freight trains in the middle of the night and he just loved it. To him, it was a great adventure. Uh-huh. It had nothing to do with whether he had money or not. He was, I mean, he's a young man. He's a young teenager. And it was a great adventure to him. Well, eventually World War II broke out and Mm. he joined the Marines along with his four brothers. And when you think about it, the movie Saving Private Ryan Uh was Private Ryan and his three brothers. And in my family, it was my grandfather and four. So there were five Hibbard men serving in in World War II. Um, He went off to, you know, he served in the South Pacific. So after he returned from war, he decided to move to Los Angeles uh, he ended up marrying my grandmother and started a small paper tube manufacturing business. A paper tube manufacturing business. Talk about something you never think about. You know, there's this funny stat in our industry that the average American uses eight paper tubes a day all without knowing it. There so you go. Think about it. Toilet paper tubes, paper towel right. tubes, wrapping paper tubes, that thing you throw away when you finish your tape. Okay, there so you go. That's me. That's, that's us. You. Okay, that's, that's you. you know, that's my grandfather. Okay. My dad definitely learned that from my grandfather. And so I think that's how I ended up with the, I've got this personality. Oh, my goodness. Okay, so you talked a little bit about your grandpa. Now, how about if you tell us a little bit about your dad? Oh, my gosh. Growing up, most people thought that my dad was insane. He has what you might call a unique parenting philosophy. (laughs) Um, Yes, you've told it to me. That's a good way to put it. He's 69 years old and, I mean, still rowdy as ever. So you could imagine when he was in his 50s and 40s what, you know, what I was growing up with. I mean, the guy hunts, he surfs, he scuba dives, shoots. He loves to build machines, read, and see the world. I mean, there's nothing that this guy doesn't do. And somehow he had three relatively calm, down-to-earth daughters. 
Okay. So, Miracle. Yeah, that was a bit Maybe of a... Maybe Mama played in here a bit. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Absolutely. The, the apple didn't fall far from the tree, I guess. But he would rather read a stack of books than sit in a four-walled classroom listening to anyone teach anything. Mm. It just, the way that his brain works, he, want, he wants to be outside. He wants to learn, you know, on, um, on his own. And so that small business that my grandfather started 70 years ago is still going. Wow. And uniquely, most of the machines that we use today are homemade, which growing up was so That's, embarrassing. Right, right. You know, people bought new machines with, you know, the nice fancy yellow paint. Uh-huh. No, our machines had car parts on them. They're from the <laughs> junkyard. There's like computer parts. Oh I mean, it was junkyard wars before the television show ever existed oh my goodness that's awesome but like my grandfather my dad really never let his circumstances define him so when our company didn't have the capital to buy new machinery Mm -hmm. we ended up at the junkyard and that's when he's pulling off things and he was always thinking outside of of the box and growing up you know I didn't really realize what I was learning or that I was learning spending Mm -hmm. those Saturday afternoons at the junkyard with him or watching him fix things or create things but looking back I realized that the art of business isn't it isn't about how much money you have. It's about, you know, what you what you bring to the table. Uh-huh, exactly. And I relate to that. Oh, I love. What a history, a rich history you have with your grandfather and your father. Okay, so speaking of your dad and your business in downtown L.A., you have just got to share more of what it was like during those years to grow up with a family business located where it was. Well, South Central Los Angeles is a unique place. Right now, it's gang infested and horrible but i'm sure that in the 1940s when my grandfather was starting the company it was not like that right you have a bunch of world war ii generation guys returning from war getting married starting families so regular suburbia well i guess we stayed in the neighborhood too long (laughs) there you go so um in 1968 there were riots that broke out my dad was my dad graduated high school that year so he was a senior in high school and these riots broke out and uh, they literally went onto the roofs at our building and defended the property. Hmm. And he always talked about Molotov cocktails. Now, is that a mixed drink? You know, what, what is <laughs> right. a Molotov cocktail? So I heard stories of Molotov cocktails, but it wasn't until 1992 when I was 12 years old and riots broke out again in South Central Los Angeles as a result of the Rodney King verdict mm-hmm. that I learned what a Molotov cocktail is. And for those of you listening who don't know what a Molotov cocktail is, it is a glass bottle with like some kind of a liquid flammable f- fluid inside, like gasoline, with usually an old rag, an old t-shirt, you know, shoved down inside. And then they light the top of the rag that's acting as the wick, and they let it burn a little bit. And then they throw that at you, at your car, at your house, at your building. And so in 1992, when I'm 12... Our building was getting tossed. We had Molotov cocktails that were being tossed at our building. Mm -hmm. And my dad gave me a little job after my mom pulled us out of church. She went and picked us up out of church and took us to the riots, our building. Because your dad told her to bring the girls there, you told me. Yes. Are you kidding me? The verdict just came out. (laughs) They're they're rioting. Go get the girls from church and bring them down. Now, why my mom actually did that, I don't know. <laughs> right. that, that's, a, that's a different story. She went and got us, pulled us out of church, took us down there, and he gave us a CB radio, a little portable radio, and gave us each jobs. Now, I'm 12. My older sister's 14. My younger sister is 10. <laughs> oh, my There's goodness. gunshots. And you're in the heart of the riot. Oh, we are in the heart of the riot. You know, we go up on the roof and look around, and everything's burning. 
helicopters are going over. And, oh, my goodness. And my little job was to run around with the garden hose to put out the fires when the Molotov cocktails would explode in a fire. Wow. And I remember thinking, Dad, like, why Why are we here? No, no one else at school is in the riots. And my dad said, Emily, this is going to be the best sociology lesson of your life. And I kind of scratched my head. I'm 12, right? Like, I don't even know what social, what? I don't even know that word. <laughs> exactly. You know? So. Oh, my goodness. Yes, unique parenting style. You had said that earlier. I think that demonstrates and illustrates what you're talking about. Because seriously, it's almost hard to believe that you lived through all of that. And yet, because we're really looking back at the impact your dad has had on you, is he clearly understood that you would thrive on that kind of adventure. I loved it. I mean, after all, you were a Hibbard. I loved it. I absolutely loved it. It's in the genes. People ask, weren't weren't you afraid? No, not one time did I ever have fear, ever. We, I mean, bullets were going, the, the police didn't come to that part of town at, you know, oh, at, at that time, uh-huh. and not once did I have any sort of fear. Your dad was there. I thought it was a great adventure, too. Okay, there you go. Okay, well, this is a great segue, then, into talking about you and your sisters. You mentioned one is older, one is younger, you're right in the middle, and all three of you, you've told me, are very different. So how did your dad relate to the three of you in different ways, or did he? There are many sides to George Hibbard. Um, and I think that my sisters and I, because we're so different, we each connect with a different side of my dad. Mm. Um, there were certain things that growing up, he had these little mantras that he would tell us. He would say, be on your best behavior, protect yourself at all times, and never be afraid to throw the first punch. And we're like little <laughs> girls. Like, we're not punching anybody. I mean, our whole, I mean, even still, we're in our 30s and he still tells us that one. He would say, you're just as pretty, smart, and capable as everyone else. Mm, I love that. Say that again. You're just as pretty, smart, and capable as everyone else. As everyone else. We were enough, is what he was telling yeah, us. Yeah, yeah. You know? And the third one that we all learned to hate was, I have complete faith in you. And <laughs> the reason why we hated that last one is because whatever he was about to tell us what to do, uh-huh. we were not, a, there was no chance of us getting off the hook. Uh-huh. Whatever it was. Go right. mow the lawn. Dad, I, what? I have complete faith in you. Like, oh. <laughs> I think some dads are going to take that and run with it. <laughs> yeah. Like, this is how I can get her to do more chores. Like, it should be a good thing, but for us, yeah. you know, when, when he had complete faith in us, we were, oh, yeah. we were trapped. Um, and you were all different, you said. Absolutely you. different. My older sister is one of those high, high IQ, deep thinker, logical finance types. Mm. Um, you know, for fun, she and my dad read Jordan Peterson books and do complex math out to the whatever decimal in their heads and strategize for the next economic downturn. Mm. Um, not me. <laughs> Nor and, me. I can appreciate <laughs> that. Yeah. And my younger sister is one of those, you know, very introverted, deeply empathetic, compassionate types. You know, her and my dad talk about values and gratitude and the importance of kindness, like uh-huh. connecting, uh-huh. you know, with people. And then there's me. And I guess you'd say I'm one of those adventurous, fearless, calculated risk taker types. You know, the, the stuff that my dad and I do is, you know, we plan trips to Antarctica and the Arctic Ocean and talk about sailing around Alaska, um, you know, up through the Northwest Passage and sailing over to Greenland. Wow. And things that... That, that's, that's the side that I connect both best with my dad is, is adventure. Okay, speaking of adventure, tell the story. And if you're just listening, I'm talking to my friend Emily Hibbard, creator, producer, narrator of The Honor Project. You're going to love it. Go find it at honorprojectmovie.com. Tell what your dad did when you each 
we're 10 years old. Okay, so we have this little family tradition. Um, you know, growing up, we always had this old rickety globe in our house on Sunday afternoons. Our, you know, my grandpa and grandma would come over and we'd talk about things, you know, current events or whatever, and there, we'd, we'd use the globe. So we grew up with this globe. Well, when we turned 10, we'd get the globe down. And with all the family there, we would spin the globe as hard as we can. And this thing could barely handle a good spin. Mm -hmm, I mean, the mm -hmm. thing was like office access. <laughs> um, we'd spin the globe as hard as it can. And then with one finger, we would stop the spin with our eyes closed. And okay. when we opened our eyes, we would see where, where was our finger? Where, where in the world was our finger? And wherever our finger was, we would go on a daddy-daughter trip when we were 10. Wow. And, and you went where? I ended up in the Andes Mountains in Machu Picchu, backpacking through South America <laughs> when I'm 10. <laughs> Crazy. My dad thought Crazy Christmas. Cool. My dad thought Christmas vacation in fifth grade was a great time to do that. And I had a great time. You know, so at 10 years old, yeah. I'm backpacking around and... Learning about pickpockets. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. My dad's like, okay, you got to be careful. There's a lot of thieves and pickpockets yeah. down here, you know, yeah. so look out for them. And, you know, if you see someone who you think is going to try to steal from you, you just give them the stink eye. I'm, t I'm a 10-year-old <laughs> white girl down in South America, right? Yeah. So I'm like, give them the stink eye, like maybe that's it. And What's that even mean? Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. And that, when I was on that trip, was the first time that I ever had any, uh, any sort of thought or any consciousness um, about fear. Mm -hmm. But my fear was... Dear God, please don't let any of these thieves or pickpockets try to hurt me because my dad will just kill them and spend the rest of his wow. life in prison knowing that he did what he had to do as a dad. And it wouldn't even bother him. So please don't even let them try. Yeah. Yeah. That was how confident I was in my dad. Yes. God, please don't even let people try to hurt me. Yeah. They have no idea who my, my dad is. And he will take them out. Absolutely. Well, okay, speaking of that, you've got to tell the story, Emily, then, about how your dad, you know, he thought bigger. He dreamed bigger for you. He thought bigger. Boundaries were very uh, fluid. Would that be a good way to say it for your dad? <laughs> yeah. Tell about how he would direct you girls with riding your bikes in the neighborhood. Okay, so... When you're, when do you write, learn how to ride a bike? Three, four, five years old? I think yeah, I was somewhere four there. You okay. know, or something like that. We grew up in a neighborhood in Los Angeles that had a ton of kids yeah. on our street, a ton of young families um, about, about our age. And the other parents had a different definition of boundaries. Their boundaries might have been maybe five houses down either way or maybe to the end of the block. Yeah. yeah. Um, occasionally, on special occasions, we might be able to go around the block. Well, my dad, with his unique parenting philosophy, says, okay, Em, you could ride your bike, but I want you to stay within our city. Your city of? What was your city? I grew up in Downey. It's an East Los Angeles suburb. Okay. Well, occasionally I would go around the block, and uh, most of the time I would go to the end of the street. I never was trying to go to other cities. I'm like four, five, <laughs> six years old. My but that goodness. was that was always my dad. His boundaries were so far bigger yeah, yeah. than anything that I would imagine that, you know, when high school came around, there was no reason to rebel. It's like, what? I, you know, I got to stay within the city. I have to, the boundaries were so much bigger. Uh -huh. And I grew up with that. I think how many men listening today will, will take George Hibbard's directive and maybe no one's going to think outside the big box like your dad. Because honestly, I do not know any other dad like your dad. I'm like, who, have you heard many dads that are as wild and crazy and um, just, visionary like your dad? Uh, just my grandfather. Okay, there you go. <laughs> but maybe a dad today needs to hear what Emily's saying about stop reining her in. Yeah. If you have a daughter that needs to soar and fly, because this was your wiring, 
find opportunities to create adventure. And I love that we've titled this to follow you, dad, to the ends of the earth, like you followed your dad, is do it with her. This isn't sending her off to the ends of the earth. It's that you're saying, do it with me, right? Yeah, yeah. Do it with me. He definitely did not parent um, from a place of fear. And I don't know if that was some reverse psychology thing. Right, right. Or what, but he was consistent. He was, he was really consistent. Okay. You got to tell the Antarctica story because this again is just another amazing story about what you and your dad have done. Okay. So when I was, I don't know, late teens, early twenties, um, I created my bucket list. Now, most people create a bucket list for, you know, by the time they die. Okay. And I thought, oh my gosh, you know, I don't, why do I want to wait that long until I die? Like how long am I going to live? What do I do in the, in the meantime? So I created a bucket list for the time I was 30. So most of my 20s were working on this bucket list. Well, my 30th birthday was coming up. And I'm like, there's one thing left that I have to do. I have to go to all seven continents. Now, the <laughs> average, normal, regular, sane person doesn't write that they want to go to all seven continents. Me, I wanted to go to all seven continents. And you could probably guess which one was the last one. Antarctica. It's way down there. So I phoned all my friends. Hey, you guys want to go to Antarctica? Want to go to Antarctica? Want to go to Antarctica? No one would bite. For some reason, nobody was really interested in spending a month on a frozen rock. <laughs> it's hard to believe. You guys, it's like Happy Feet, the movie. Come on, <laughs> let's go. Nobody, zip, zero. I was like, okay, well, I don't want to go by myself. Uh, who? Like, I know who I'm going to call. Uh-huh. I know who I'm going to call. I know. So I so I phoned my dad, and he was uh, his 60th birthday was was coming up, and I gave him some... I don't know, insults like, dad, you're 60, you know, in no time, you're going to be in oxygen on a wheelchair, probably. I'm going to have to push you around and, you know, push you around the park or something. If you don't go with me to Antarctica now, that you're going to regret it for the rest of your life. You were speaking George Hibbert's love language. (laughs) And a slew of other insults for whatever reason he gets a kick out of that. And he just burst into laughter and he's like, I'm in, let's go. So we ended up going to Antarctica and had the opportunity to kayak down there around icebergs. And it was absolutely phenomenal. And you've done the other poll. We did. As part of uh, the Honor Project, we filmed my dad's part in the Arctic because, of course, he didn't just want to sit down and be interviewed. He wanted to drive 3,700 miles north from Los Angeles to the Arctic Ocean. So we had the opportunity to to kayak up there. And who'd have thought that we were the first daddy-daughter duo to kayak at both poles, um, setting a world record? There you go. Yeah. Your dad understood you, and you understand your dad, yeah. and you've bonded over creating adventures yes. together that have really expanded your vision for the world. I mean, I've gotten to know you over the past few months, and your heart for people and for fathers is contagious. Mm. And I think how much of this is you had a dad that said, think bigger, M. Boundaries, bigger. Absolutely. Think beyond Absolutely. any kind of confining ideas. For you to even say, I'm going to do a bucket list now. Why would I, what would I do in the meantime? I'm, I'm, I'm inspired by you, honestly. It's so my dad. <laughs> well, you know that I end every show with a go step, right? A practical way that dads of daughters can put their love for them into action this week. I love it to be this week. So it's not think about it, dream about it. It's do it now, which, hey, I'm speaking Emily Himbert's language. So how about if you end by telling dads who are listening what they can do to inspire their daughters to follow them to the ends of the earth? Okay, so like I mentioned, my dad and I are very different, and but we both share a heart for adventure, and that's where we connect best is adventure. And if you're a dad listening, I'll leave you with this one challenge. 
focus on the one area where you and your daughter connect best. You know, like I said, for me, it's travel. But for you, it might be musical theater or guitar or running or eclectic coffee shops. Mm. And this is something that you can put to the test this week. You can tell her that you enjoy doing that thing with her Invite that, and, and invite her to do that thing with her this week. Oh, I love, love that. I love that. I even talked to a mom this week that said her husband prayed that God would give him insight into how to connect with his teenage daughter. And he noticed that she loved superhero movies. So he would be the first to buy her the premiere ticket at midnight on the opening nights. Awesome. And that's how they bonded. So I love that practical action step. Well, On Your Mark today has been unconventional fathering, how one dad inspired his daughter to follow him to the ends of the earth. You've heard from my friend Emily Hibbard, and if you want to know more about her, you can go to honorprojectmovie.com. So for your go step between today and next week, I encourage you dads to take her challenge to heart and focus on one area where you can connect with your daughter's heart. As always, you can go to my website at drmichellewatson.com where you will find free resources and you can sign up for my bi-monthly Dad-Daughter Friday blogs. There's also a link to Amazon where you can find my book, Dad. Here's what I really need from you, a guide for connecting with your daughter's heart. Remember, you can subscribe to the Dad Whisperer podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play, where you can listen back to any of my shows or share them with your friends. Well, this wraps up another week's program. It's been so fun to be here with you all. I'm Dr. Michelle Watson, the Dad Whisperer, signing off and encouraging you to make today a day where you are intentionally and consistently investing in pursuing your daughter's heart. Go Dads! <laughs>